Our gospel for this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, the 13th chapter. Today, I'm choosing to read not from the the NRSV, which is the version you found if you've downloaded a bulletin, but instead from the uh, the NIV as it eliminates the language of master and slave and invites us to rethink it as owner and servant, which I think are more helpful words as we enter into this parable today. So listen to this parable. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, did you sow good seed in the field? Where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, First, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. The one, then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man, he answered. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will have weeds out of his kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the burning furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Just a note before we get in today's sermon. I have to admit to you that for about three months, I've been watching church worshiping virtually, mostly with my toddlers from our bed eating popcorn. So this morning feels a little bit weird to me. So if you're watching at home thinking, she doesn't even know where she's supposed to look, I don't. In fact, when I woke up this morning, I couldn't even find my fancy little collar tab. So I'll let you in on a hint. I had to use an index card. So if it feels a little out of practice, it is. And so grace abound today as we together unpack the word of God and explore what God is up to in these weeds and in this wheat. Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered in this place and wherever they may be, be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. 
If you have been engaged in worship the last few weeks, you have spent some time in what I like to call the Jesus and agriculture section of the Gospels. We've heard about how seeds fall on the soil. As we were watching from our bed with that popcorn last week, Moses was thrilled to see Raymond surrounded by corn and Norman on his farm talk about how seeds were falling to the soil. I admit to you that it's not the most captivating language for me. I have the opposite of whatever a green thumb is. If I touch it, most likely it's going to die. Thankfully, the green thumb hasn't applied to my toddlers, but pretty much every other living thing. But Michael? Michael, on the other hand, has taken up gardening with quite a bit of gusto. He planted one beef boy tomato plant that the other day a farmer from our CSA came and said, That's impressive. You would have thought that Michael got a ribbon from the state fair for it. Our neighbors have been joking that the tomato plant is our third child. At least three or four times a day, he steps out of the house just to check on it, to make sure that it is doing okay. He's out there probably listening right now, like, you had to tell this story? Um, All the time, planting and harvesting and soil, those are not my strong suit. But weeds, y'all, weeds are my jam. (laughs) I know weeds. When I was little, my mom had a plan. When we were fighting, she would give us a plastic bag and a section of the front landscape and say, you can come in the house when you're done weeding it. Needless to say, she had the best looking landscape in the neighborhood. So when I saw that the text that I would be preaching on this week was weeds, I was like, I got this. I get weeds. They are insidious, and they can fool you. I mean, you've seen a dandelion, right? It looks like a flower, but but it's a weed. Or one of those dandelions that's like the cotton ball-looking thing that kids pick up and blow, and the seeds fall everywhere, creating, you guessed it, more weeds. And so one of the questions is really, what are weeds about anyway? What harm can they actually do? Because it's the question that the disciples have listened to and leaned in during this week's parable. What to make of wheat and weeds? And for once, if you followed Jesus' parables, you know how remarkable this is. He straight up explains it. Y'all, I wanted to say to Jesus this week, could you please explain the mustard seed will move a mountain? Because that parable makes no sense to me. This one I kind of got the gist of, and yet Jesus offers an explanation. So I think perhaps we should lead into it. Because parables are expansive in their meaning, but the explanation provides a strong guidance about what Jesus was trying to teach us about the kingdom of God. So let's unpack it together. Jesus is teaching, which is, of course, his favorite thing to do in Matthew's gospel. If you like Jesus as teacher or in professor mode, this is your scripture. He's hit his stride with the stories of the kingdom of God. 
What will it look like? What will it be like? To what can it be compared? And so I read the text again and again, and I found myself wrestling with a few pieces of the parable. First, the weeds were planted when no one knew it, and they didn't sprout until wheat was forming. And instantly, the servants assume the worst. They go to the owner, did you plant weeds too? Almost as if to say, were you trying to make our job hard? Did you just plant weed? Did we do something? What went wrong? Isn't that all too human? That our first reaction to the weed in the garden is to blame. It's interesting because we actually don't tend to do that in our own gardens. But anytime we talk about the weeds of this world, we are ready to point fingers. It's one of the reasons that the pandemics of COVID-19 and racism are so insidious right now. Instead of focusing our energy on uprooting them, we're consumed with blaming someone for putting them there. The weeds are spreading like wildfire as we stand like the servants saying to another, didn't you plant good stuff? How did we end up here? While the servant's posture is all too human, the response of the owner is anything but. When the servants say, we'll go pick them, we'll go pick them, don't do that yet. I'm not willing to sacrifice the wheat. Because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Clearly, this owner has never taken weed-picking lessons from Scott Rhodes. Scott Rhodes, a member of our congregation, and if you're watching Scott, I didn't ask for permission to tell this story, so okay. All right, so several years ago, I was preaching on weeds. I was saying that my mom made us pick the weeds when, when we were mad, and Scott said, oh, I'll tell you how you do it without getting the flowers. She said, I lay a cloth down, something like a cheesecloth, and I pull each one through the small squares. My first thought was, ain't nobody got time for that. I mean, I didn't really care if I got a flower when my mom was having me pick the weeds because my job was to get the weeds out, right? And yet Scott somehow intuitively knows that to pull a weed is to protect the life of the flower growing next to it. And while there is no giant global cheesecloth that the owner can be pulling the weeds out of right now, the owner says, let them grow together. I have to admit to you that when I read that, I was like, you have to be kidding me. God, you've got to have a better plan than let them grow together. I was annoyed and shaking my fist this week saying, God, this is why people say, if God is good, then why do bad things happen? Or if God could wipe out hatred and greed and pride and destruction, why doesn't God? Or in the world, words of today's parable, if God knows the danger of the weeds that are literally choking out life, leaving far too many people unable to say, or far too many people saying, I can't breathe. Why does God let them grow together? Beloved, I tried to write a sermon all week that wrapped these questions in a tight little bow. 
But knowing the power of evil and hate and the destruction of weeds in our world, I want God to give me an answer that is more tidy and satisfying than let them grow together. And then in the middle of me shaking my fist and telling God that I could clearly do this better, I felt the Spirit whisper into my heart, did you not see the care for the wheat? I hadn't seen it. I was still too busy pointing my finger, trying to figure out which person had planted the weeds, and yet there it is, the message of grace and kindness. I don't want to uproot the wheat with it. There will be a time when the angels who are precise weeders will be at the work. The challenge is that this side of heaven, the lines of us versus them is blurred. We're followers of Jesus with our anchor, our hope, not in the condemnation of one weed, but in the ultimate defeat that is assured to us in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. So, beloved, I wanted my sermon to have good answers. (laughs) And I really wanted to end my sermon there and say, Jesus is going to take care of it in the end. I wanted to have some kind of Jesus-y justification for the state that our world is in and to say the angels will sort it out. And most days, most days I'm selfish. And I want a God that makes me feel good and provides me easy answers But then there's days that I read the parable again, and it doesn't let us off that easy. I want you to return to me for the first verse of this gospel again, because in it, it says this, the kingdom of heaven is like, is like. Not will be someday, not will come a time. It says is like, which means that there right now are wheat and weeds growing together globally. There is goodness and hatred abiding in the same communities and the same houses and even in our same hearts. There is work of the evil one choking out life from precious wheat that God planted in you and me and our neighbors that are meant to nourish this world. And it means that we must become as discerning as the angels to be part of God's redemptive weed pulling. Perhaps, perhaps it's easier to pretend there's no evil among us. Easier to waste our energy finger pointing and blaming. More fun to just pick up that dandelion and blow those evil seeds everywhere. But that's not the posture of a Jesus follower. Look back at our baptism liturgy. We ask you the question, do you renounce the devil and all the forces that defy God, the powers of the world that rebel against God, the ways of sin that draw you from God? It seems like an out-of-place question on a day when we see white dresses and baby faces, but it's a serious question and a claim, an acknowledgement that their one is one actively sowing hate and hurt and destruction among us. And there is one more powerful who chose love, who chooses the wheat, who chooses the hard work of redemption instead of merely rewinding to where there was wheat before when there wasn't weeds. 
And it's with the love of Jesus that we can say on our baptismal days and every day we remember it, we renounce them. With the help of God and the discernment of the Spirit, and as a brave self, we can say, I'm going to get to weed pooling so that people might be well-nourished and able to live in their God-given purpose, so that all people may breathe, so that all have access to life-giving necessities, so that fear is abolished, so that every person is as precious to me as to the God who in kindness said, don't uproot the wheat with it. I want to close with a story that Bishop Smith posted yesterday about John Lewis after his death. John Lewis was a civil rights activist, a lifelong weed puller, a person committed to uprooting evil among us. Bishop, Bishop Smith shared this story. I had the privilege of learning to know John Lewis while I served in Atlanta at our congregation hosted a Lutheran Community MLK Junior Day worship in January of 2011. As he spoke, that was the contracted word, but really he preached. From the center aisle, he told the detail, in, in detail about the incident in 1965 on the Pettus Bridge in Selma. And at that same time, a little eight-year-old African-American boy walked down the aisle, unscripted, from the back and stared straight up to the face of Lewis and asked, where did they hurt you? Lewis knelt down, took the boy's hand and put it on top of his head. Feel that gash? I was sitting right next to the scene and the little boy said, but why? Lewis answered back because hate is powerful and evil. But, but young man, Love and God are stronger. Tears in the little boy's eyes for Lewis and me. It says, if in that moment, John Lewis knew that what he was telling this little boy is that weeds and wheat will grow together. And that our life should be caught up and pulling them out while protecting the wheat that God has planted to nourish the world. You see, evil and hate and hope and love abide in the same place. And the line between us and them is way too blurred. And yet, and yet we have a calling to renounce the forces of evil among us, to be in part of redemptive weed pulling, and church, even though some days it might feel as tedious as laying out a cheesecloth and pulling one little weed through, take heart. Because we, as followers of Jesus, anchor our hope, not in the condemnation of one weed, but in the ultimate victory, the restoration of God's garden, assured for us in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And for that, we say thanks be to God. Amen.